Boom. Here we are. Boom. Let's go. Let's talk about God, episode 36. You know what I'll say? I'll say that it's a miracle that we're still doing these. A miracle. <laughs> I couldn't think of a pun every, for last time. Every every time we come on, you've got to make some kind of connection segue. I, my brain was like racing last time, and I didn't have one, so I had to do one this hey, time. Hey, listeners, got any chance about what we're going to be talking about today? <laughs> Hint, hint, miracles. Hint, hint. Today we are. We're just gonna get right into it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, there are some people who probably enjoy uh, the the banter, and other people who are like, "All right, come on, let's get to it." Today we're getting right into it. Today we are talking about miracles, miracles in the Bible, miracles that still happen today. Um, which is, should be like a pretty fun episode. So get ready to learn a lot um, and hopefully hear some good stories, mainly from dad, because I don't really have that many or any. All of my miracle stories, he probably also knows. Anyways, it's going to be great. 30-second definition. Give me what a miracle is. Go. Uh, an, an unusual and supernatural manifestation of God's power. That's good. That's real good. I said an event which may seem contrary to nature and which signifies an act in which God reveals himself to man. Yeah, and it seems contrary. Some people think that miracles transcend, automatically transcend the laws of nature, and I think that's probably one of the best ways to say it. Um, but sometimes God actually works through nature. through nature. Yeah. So he's not transcending a law mm-hmm. necessarily. He's just working in in nature. Yeah. So... Um, there's there's in there's, theologians there's, so there's kind arguments. of some banner there and in discourse about what it really is but i think that uh what what i would say is that natural forces are countered by supernatural forces yeah because god's involved i mean he can do what he wants exactly. he made up the laws he can just break them down for a moment transcend them it's supersede fine. them make an axe head float <laughs> in the water and make water stand up on the side and in the in the red sea crossing Dry ground. You know, like, yeah, make the ground dry. Would you just think how cool that would be? Like, I don't know how far across that was, but you have a wall of water. What if it was like 10 feet high? You're looking at fish. There are fish in there. Like, you could put your hand in the water at the fish, grab a fish. Dude, I wonder if they could put their hand in the water. Why you not? know, there had to be like an eight year old who stuck his hand in like there. He tried. There was probably a 38 year old that stuck his hand in there. I mean, think about it. Would you not be? It's I like mean, a wet paint well, sign. That's a one time option. All right, let me ask you if you're at a bench and it says there's a sign that says wet paint, sometimes yes, you want to try. Do you touch it? I don't want to because I don't want to get my hand dirty. But, but, but you got to see whether or not it's wet or you not. Get, you want to know. Okay, so there's somebody that stuck their hand in there. Somebody. Or I always think of like, this has nothing to do with anything, but the episode on The Office where Michael Scott sees that there's wet cement out there and he wants to like leave his mark. So instead of doing like a handprint, he sticks his face in it. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> and he says, I'm going to tell my grandkids someday, that's your daddy's face hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's- that has nothing to do with miracles at I'm all. Sorry. That's just totally, we've I'm lost sorry. it. I'm sorry, that just made me think. All right, anyways, <laughs> we're, ta- we're talking about miracles, supernatural things, things that are above nature, transcend nature. And God is God, and he does them all the time, specifically because they kind of wake us up. They reveal who he is. They they do all kinds of stuff, really. So let's let's just get into it. Let's, let's get right, into Old Testament. Let's do this before we do. This This will be a little controversial. Um, there are people, Christians, usually theologians. I've read it. I read it in preparation for this session that actually believe that the days of miracles are over. Like at all. They don't believe in miracles. It's crazy. They read the Bible. They, re- they believe the Bible, the miracles that are in the Bible, but they say that the miracle working power of God is unnecessary today in this New Testament era. I don't understand that. But you and I need our listeners to know right off the bat that we believe (laughs) in miracles, that he is a miracle worker. God is a miracle worker, and he still performs the miraculous today. We believe that of the nine gifts of the Spirit, that one of them is the gift of miracles. 
which tells me that the operation of the Holy Spirit in the church throughout the ages, not just mm-hmm. in Paul's day, but throughout the ages, that that gift is one of the nine gifts that is has been, is, and will be in operation, uh, you know, until I guess the yeah. glorification in the and new heavens and new earth. I'm not like, I didn't study that. I'm not very prepared to argue about it, but I will say that something like that seems like a very, like an argument only a very modern person can make. Yes, and it's usually argued from yeah. modernity. That you, you can't argue that pre-enlightenment era. You can't argue that pre-rationalism, science, humanism. We're going to figure everything out because we're so smart. Yeah. You just can't do it. Yeah, they say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, we believe in miracles. Absolutely. All right, miracles in the Old Testament. The main words in the Old Testament for miracles are sign and wonder. That's in the New Testament, too. You've probably heard that. A wonder, uh, there's two words for it. It's either an act of supernatural power, two words in Hebrew, that means either that or something that is beyond man's understanding. So it makes you wonder. A sign refers to an act which occurs as a token or pledge of God's control over events and as a revelation of God's presence with his people. So basically, crazy supernatural act of power and then something that just reveals God. Like, simplified down. As we look at the, the Old Testament, um, we see four different types of miracles. Um, so we have what's, you know, what's called a celestial event, which would be something like Joshua. And the sun stood still. Yeah, when the, when the sun stood still, that is crazy. We don't really understand how that happened. So a 24-hour day became who knows how many how hours long, so yeah. that they could finish the battle and beat the enemy. Exactly. And so that's like just crazy. We've got instantaneous healings. So we think about Naaman who goes and dips himself seven times in the Jordan Mm -hmm. and is healed. That's an instantaneous healing. We've got control of nature. Here's why this is different than the sun, um, because God uses nature to accomplish the whole thing is the parting of the Red Sea. Parting of the Red Sea. It's a bunch of wind that parted the Red Sea. The axe head floating in the water. Yes. Being buoyant in the water with with Elisha. Yeah, the... Yeah, And then we've got objects and animals acting in unexpected ways, like Balaam's donkey, which is like kind of crazy. Actually so, talking. Talking, speaking. That would have freaked me out. <laughs> Trust me, that would have been would have been awesome. But he acted like it was a no big deal. I wonder if he has like an accent. If he was a southern donkey, he would have said, hey, y'all. What y'all doing? Oh. Y'all reckon you can stop beating me? <laughs> if he was a cow, he'd say, why do you have beef with me? Uh, Man, that was funny. Somebody is laughing right we now. We need to move along, That Evan. is hilarious. Oh, man. If he was a chicken, he'd say, stop being such a chicken. <laughs> You're laying an egg right now. Let's move. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. The Old Testament frequently portrays. I apologize to our audience. I just want you to know I I apologize. We got to bring some life. Last episode was so good and so rich. We got to just bring some laughs to this one. The Old Testament frequently portrays God as the direct agent of the miracles. So, for instance, in Numbers 22 28, it says, The Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. You just can't leave the donkey thing alone. I'm sorry. He often employs a human intermediary. So think about Moses parting the Red Sea. We oftentimes even use that language. We say Moses parted the Red Sea. But what we really mean is God parted the Red right. Sea through Moses. He used Moses. Um, these miracles often affect the reputation of its agents. So, for instance, the Philistines in 1 Samuel 4 8 are fearful of the Hebrew, finger quotes, gods who afflicted the Egyptians with plagues. I think of Rahab, the prostitute, who, because of what God did um, to the Egyptians, is aware now that he is the one true God and decides to help out the Israelites. God's acts send a message to the world, specifically in the Old Testament, but even in the New. The plagues made a clear statement that God is more powerful than the Egyptian gods. So God wants to make his power known and kind of disrupt maybe the things that we worship, the ways that we think are pride. God's manna in the wilderness is a miracle that shows God's compassion, his care, his protection, provision for his people. Yes, and even the water out of the rock. Remember, yeah. he made water flow out of a rock yeah. in the desert. Which is crazy. Yeah. Which Paul, like, what he assumed the rock just followed them. That's crazy. 
We're getting off. Yeah, the that's tangent. a whole other subject. I think I hope the Rock called him. The Rock was a symbol of Jesus Christ, so that's why they met. But I hope the Rock was a real Rock that followed no, him around. There wasn't a little Rock man that followed them around. We're talking about miracles. Yeah, but that's not what. If he, he means. can stop the sun, I think you've gotten off on that. All one. right. I think, I think you're. Don't make me pull out my Bible and correct you there. Look, I'm. I mean, it we'll says it's a spiritual, but it says a spiritual rock that followed them, but which they is still got water about, from it. <laughs> he got they real got water from, from the physical rock, but he said the spiritual rock, and that rock was Christ. So he was talking about Christ was the rock. Christ was the supplier for them to meet their needs. Is it possible? No. That no, no. no, no I'm just saying, is it possible that the spiritual rock and the physical rock were sort of intertwined? I they do were in not union. see this giant boulder in the wilderness with little legs. <laughs> Following the Israelites around, I refuse to have that image in my mind that you've already put there. If anybody has had not, to watch SpongeBob with your kids, you're imagining SpongeBob riding a rock. SpongeBob right now. riding a rock. That is not the image, listeners. I'm, I'm so sorry that this is delved. We have. I'm going to still choose to believe it. Anyways, the vindication of God's messengers slash covenants <laughs> is shown that God did not do any miracles in the intertestamental periods. So what we're seeing is God often does miracles. Um, he does them in specific ways that they accompany the covenant, the covenants. He's doing a major work. Um, and so there were no reported miracles and for instance, you you know, what read Maccabees or something like that. The, the apocrypha, you're not going to read of miracles happening in that time period. Yeah, and for our people, that. That, if people are wondering, that's that's between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between Malachi and Matthew and your Bible. There was mm-hmm. a period of 400 years where there was no revelation, no prophets, and no miracles is what yeah, you're saying. Right. exactly. Um, so let's talk about miracles in the New Testament. We know God has a history of doing miracles among his people. Well, now he's bringing this new covenant, and we would expect nothing less. So the New Testament miracle, miracles are central throughout the narrative texts and the apocalyptic texts. They often happen through human intermediaries, and the most significant intermediary is Jesus. So we mainly see miracles in the Gospels and Acts and Revelation, um, and then they usually happen through people, and we see it very clearly in the Gospels through Jesus. New Testament miracles display God's power and either confirm or demonstrate the gospel message. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to break down the four gospels because the gospel writers, as they're reporting, they are putting together certain theological emphases in their gospels. That's why we've got four of them because they're unique and they're different and they give us a different vantage. And so they all use these miracles differently. Some of them use the same miracles, but maybe kind of for a different purpose. And, and so the miracles are not just things that make us go, wow, that was sick, Jesus, but we actually get a message from them. So you're saying in each gospel, there's a message with the particular miracles that there are. Okay, so go with Absolutely. Mark. So what is Mark trying to tell? So Mark uses miracles as a symbolic demonstration of the kingdom of God. So Mark is that action-centered, oriented, is not as much teaching, it's not as much talking. Really written for Gentiles, a Gentile audience. Exactly. Would make a great action movie. Yeah, make a great action movie. It's very evangelistic. So this is seen strongly in Jesus' consistent healing, his exorcism ministry, as well as his resurrection ministry. So all of the time through Mark, you, you hear... You know, wherever Jesus went, he healed everybody and cast out demons. We have several stories of Jesus casting out demons as they tremble before him. We have several stories of God doing miraculous healings. What Jesus is trying to announce is that the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of Satan is getting kicked out. Jesus is here and all the effects of Satan with death, with demon possession, so Satan's control, with sickness, um, specifically with leprosy as a sickness, that's a representation of sin. So we see Jesus healing lepers, sick people, dead people, demon-possessed people. That's the message of the kingdom of so God. So it's the power of God, the Son of God, the power of God. The Son of God has conquered Satan, sin, and death. All right, what about Matthew? So Matthew's gospel uses them to portray Jesus as the fulfillment of God's promise to raise up a prophet like Moses. So this is very much um, just really confirming Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior, as the prophet. Moses showed up, and he did all kinds of miracles that really um, 
affirmed him. Because Matthew right? really wrote to a Jewish audience. Absolutely, He was thinking yeah. about Jews. So they would be thinking about a Messiah, the Old Testament Messiah. Yeah. They knew the, because Moses had said, it's coming after me, a prophet with a capital P, which mm-hmm. was ultimately was Jesus. So that, yeah. that's a conference. All right, what about Luke? Um, so Luke's gospel, and we're going to throw in Acts because Luke also wrote Acts, refers to the miracles of Jesus and the early Christ followers as validating signs and wonders. Um, so specifically, um, if we're going to combine Luke and Acts here, um, the apostle Peter actually duplicates the Lord's miracles. He heals a paralytic and raises a woman from the dead back to back, just like Jesus. And so what's, what that is doing is it's confirming the validity of the church, that just as Christ came to the earth and did those things, Christ is living and among his people doing the exact same work. It's validating both the apostles as the leaders of the church and then the church in general. Um, if we're thinking about Luke specifically, Luke um, wants to show that continuity. And then he uh, displays miracles in his gospels to validate Jesus's ministry. Um, Jesus, he gets up and he gets up in the temple and he quotes Isaiah um, and is basically saying like, I'm that guy. Well, then he follows it up with a bunch of miracles to confirm I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah, and Luke talks about him being baptized with the whole, filled with the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. at the, his water baptism, being led by the Spirit. He said, then he returned. I think Luke 4 says that Jesus returned in the power of the, of Spirit. the Spirit. Yeah. So he really does emphasize the power of the Holy Spirit in his work mm-hmm. with Jesus. Yeah. Okay, what about John? All right, so John is the most unique in the sense that John's gospel describes Jesus' miracles as explanatory signs. So they are more like miracle sermons in a sense, or they help assist sermons that follow up. So what do you mean by that? What do you mean by explanatory signs? So the text never calls them miracles. Instead, they are signs that point to a truer spiritual Reality. All right, give me an example. So um, Jesus has seven signs in John. So for instance, he turns the water into wine. It's a messianic act. Something new is coming. The new covenant is coming. Jesus multiplies loaves, right? And so this builds upon him being able to teach what's called the bread of life discourse in which he says that he is the bread of life. So he feeds all of these people in this miraculous sign way, in this physical miraculous way, and then is able to say, just as I provided for you physically here, I am the bread of life. Come to really feed your souls. And, you know, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. What, he does that after he raises Lazarus. So we've got all these so, different things. So you got the seven I am's. Yes. So I'm if I can do them. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd, and I am the doorway to the sheepfold. It's good. Ah, you're surprised I knew the seven I am's of Jesus. So it's almost like then there are seven miracles. Because if you say he turns the water into wine, then he said, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and you bear fruit, then he's thinking about a grapevine. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I don't know that I've ever... Notice that. Now you're going to make me go back and study You have to go read the Gospel of John. To see if every sign, miracle actually can correlate to the I am's. So it's really cool how, how those miracles, they, they are really sermons. They're almost physical sermons or they assist. About who Jesus is. Like a sermon is. illustration of who Jesus is, yeah, but just identity. in a miracle way. It's cool. interesting. John has no exorcisms. No. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, there's none. So you can see how... There is like a there's a similarity in in a difference between what Mark does and what John does. John gives a more detailed, specific, unique signs to assist the discourse, and Mark is just giving us all these actions, many of them consistent, you know, casting out demons, healing, or whatever and, about the kingdom. And Matthew of God. and John were apostles, so they traveled with him. They mm-hmm. saw everything, and they and they they did their own set of miracles because God mm-hmm. Jesus gave them power. And they cast out demons and healed the sick. And we believe Mark is learning from Peter. Right. He's His from ministry. Peter. So, so you've got three apostles there. So it's really really interesting. And then finally in the New Testament, we see signs and wonders are confirmation of Paul's apostleship and they're valuable uh, evangelistic tools. And then like we talked about, Paul considers the ability to perform miracles a spiritual gift. So they assist him to kind of confirm him as an apostle because he's showing up later and, you know, wants to confirm that. Um, and then they they really help 
for people to come to Christ. And he considers it as something that's still going on, not just for apostles, but for other people. Um, here's something that's interesting throughout the New Testament. Enemies of Jesus are able to perform signs and wonders. So in Mark 13, 22 and Matthew 24, 24, they attribute signs and wonders to false Christs and false prophets. Second Thessalonians 2, 9 indicates that the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, will perform signs and wonders to deceive Christ's followers. Which obviously are works of the devil. Absolutely. Right. And, and Revelation refers to signs and wonders as both heavenly visions and as instruments of Satan's forces. So there is a, a sense in which God allows Satan to show up, do some crazy stuff, and then, um, you know, try and pull away Christ's followers. We see that in like... Um, Deuteronomy when he says that, you know, there might be false prophets that come up and he allows it as a test for the Israelites to see if they'll follow him or stick to Christ's word. Um, right. You don't want to follow a false prophet. And just because somebody can do a miraculous sign doesn't mm-hmm. mean that... There has to be more there. Yeah, there has to be substance and character to back up the sign. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about the function of biblical miracles. We've got several. Um, instrumental. So we think of heavenly manna, which serves to provide nourishment. That's pretty straightforward. So to meet needs. To meet needs. Yeah, because yeah. I, I like I have three Do categories. Something. I think you have more, but obviously it's it's meet the needs. And I think this is important because because um, let's just slow down here a little bit and yeah. talk about this. Is why why would there why do we need a miracle? Because mm-hmm. these people say we don't need miracles anymore. Or why do we need miracles? All right, and the number one answer would be sometimes God needs to meet a need and and it can't happen through human resources. Mm-hmm. It needs to happen through supernatural resources. And so that shows the compassionate heart of God. Okay, the the five loaves and two fishes were fed 5,000 people. It was Jesus was moved with compassion. Yeah. So when, when a miracle does take place, uh, it, it's coming from the benevolence of God, the heart of God, the compassion of God, the love of God. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of simple, but it makes sense. Yeah, he cares about his people. Yeah. That's all, that's all right. Um, we think about communicative. So the hand that writes on the wall of Belshazzar's palace in Daniel chapter 5. So he's writing this message through a big miraculous hand that shows up. God wants to say something, and sometimes he does that. And I would say even sometimes those uh, instrumental miracles – can also be communicative in a less blatant sense, that it's not necessarily words, but it's God speaking his benevolence to you. And so some of those kind of overlap. Um, We've got punitive. So the tumors that afflict the Philistines while they possess the Ark of the Covenant. So this is to punish them. This is to show, hey, y'all shouldn't have this. This is not for you. My presence is supposed to be in my people, not with my enemies. Well, remember when Paul was was it when he was shipwrecked or he was there with a governor and there was a guy there that was opposing him and Paul said, you're going to be blind for three days. Mm-hmm. And immediately the guy was struck with blindness. It's crazy. For three days. And it was that was punitive because he was resisting trying to keep Paul from preaching the gospel. Yeah. Or when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit and were killed, and P- they came in and Peter questioned him and they lied to him and he called him out on it and, he, and they both were killed and died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. Okay. Do you think, um, do you think those miracles still happen today? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's not the kind of thing I couldn't give you any examples like stories, necessarily yeah. right now, but yeah, I think if the Lord needed to do it and wanted to do it, he could. Absolutely. There may be things we never know. Yeah. Um, we've got sociopolitical. How do you like that word? That's a good word. Um, so, for instance, when God confirms that Elijah is the superior prophet by sending down fire to consume his offering. Um, so th- those were political um, implications there as God's kingdom, the greater and, and, kingdom. And I don't think that's the main reason. No, it's not. It. I think this serves. is a sub-reason. It, it serves. Like you said, yeah, the, the function was theirs. Well, but, primarily, and, and now we'll get into this, is the theological, and one of those is the validation of God, is that the consumption of Elijah's offering, or even something like Jesus' baptism, confirms that God is the true God. So he rains down fire, or he says from heaven, you know, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. Um, so we, we've, we've got a validation of God from those miracles. We've got a validation of God's message. So Moses' miracles before Pharaoh, 
Moses is the real deal. And so that's why he's doing some crazy stuff to show, hey, I'm from God. Or, and that's what I've, I've got those, um, those are my other two, is that, first of all, glorifies God. So like you said, validation of God. So I think mm-hmm. all miracles should ultimately glorify God. It should yeah. draw attention to God. So if you're a miracle worker and you're drawing attention to yourself, then I would question whether or not it's actually God. I would question that maybe demonic. Yeah. Because p- p- people who operate in the power of, of God, in the gift of miracles, miracles, th- their goal is to always give glory to God. People like Simon want the Holy Spirit and miracles for themselves. All right, when Peter and John, right, exactly, Simon the sorcerer. When G, uh, um, Peter and John were at the, in Acts 3, were at the gate called Beautiful, and they healed the man, and all the whole crowd came, and they said, why do, you look, why do you look at us like we had the power to do it? Mm-hmm. It was... Jesus, the name of Jesus, and faith in the name of Jesus that made this man whole. And when Paul and Barnabas went on their journey and they performed a miracle, uh, they called Barnabas Zeus and Paul Mercury and yeah. were ready to offer sacrifices <laughs> to them. They were going to treat them like gods, and he, they stopped them and yeah. said, no, that's the whole point is we're here to tell you, mm-hmm. you don't, there are no other gods. There's one God we're here mm-hmm. to preach, so you glorify God. And then I think the other reason is it serves as a basis for validation um, it prepares the way for the word of God and for the gospel. And we see this all the time. And yeah. if you go to Acts um, chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, right in there, you'll see where signs and wonders were performed by the, by the apostles, and it validated the, the gospel. And I think this is it's kind of a secondary sub-thing. Uh, it can validate the individual. Yeah. Now, now, that's why, not why you do them, but if God wants to validate you, to say you listen to this man, and that man, look, it's what he did with with Moses. Yeah, he said, "Throw your rod down; it could turn into a snake. Pick it yep. back up." Because they said, "How the how God how how are they going to believe me? How are they going to know that you sent me?" So he said, "All right, I'm going to give you some. Put your hand in your your sh- shirt, pull it out, and it was leprous. Mm-hmm. Put it back in, pull it back out, it was gone." So and he said, "You're going to pour water out, and it's going to turn into blood." So he gave him signs to validate Moses. Yeah, but again, ultimately, primarily. Moses was going to turn around and say, this is not me doing this. It is the God who did. So that's why I believe that God still does miracles because I still think God validates his message. Mm-hmm. I think there are times when th- that there, there is a, a miracle work of God. And, and look, that's two different ways. One, if you're preaching the gospel and, you know, people are listening to it like, ah, you know, I don't know if I believe that. Sounds like a fairy tale, da, da, da. But then you can perform a miracle sign or wonder, a miraculous sign or wonder, then people say, oh, wait a minute, you can't do that. A divine being did that. Because by definition, miracles have to be done by a divine being. Then you'll say, yeah, let me tell you who that is. His name's Jesus. And that Jesus that you just saw perform this miracle, here's the good news about him. And you preach the gospel. I heard this great story. So maybe I start telling stories. heard this great story, the true story of a missionary that went to a a village to, to, I don't know if it was in Africa or where, but... He uh, he went in the village, and there was a witch doctor, which, you know, that's all that's real. And uh, the witch doctor was fighting against him. And so the witch doctor said, "You." they built a platform, and he said, you meet me at this platform. And he said, your God versus my God, we're going to have a, have a throwdown. He said, okay. <laughs> so the missionary showed up, walked on the platform, and the, uh, the witch doctor laid on the ground and levitated. He levitated about two feet or a foot off the ground and levitated. That's crazy. Now, it was the demonic spirits spirits making it happen. And all the village was just in awe of this people. They were in bondage to this guy. Whatever the witch doctor said is what. So the missionary almost walked off the stage. He's like, God, I can't. How am I going to? And then he started walking. And the Holy Spirit said, stop. Don't you walk off this stage. You're not going to let the devil get more glory than me. And the missionary could hear the voice of the Lord. He said, Lord, what do you mean to do? He said, put him down. So the missionary goes over and picks his knee, you know, bends his knee, puts his foot on the, the witch doctor and pushes him down <laughs> to the ground. And the whole audience went, <gasps> and he said, God, what do you want me to do now? He said, cast the demon out of him. Wow. So the missionary said, in the name of Jesus, <clears throat> devil, come out of this witch doctor. And the demon came out. And the witch doctor got up and right there, being delivered from the demon, believed in Jesus and got saved and said to the crowd, what this man says is the truth. Listen to him and, and put, give your lives to Jesus. And so the missionary preached on the stage, and all the people heard it, and the whole village came to Christ. That's crazy. 
That's real crazy. So there's an example mm-hmm. of God doing it. And it doesn't just happen, by the way, on the mission field. Yeah, it can I happen. I mean, anyway. it can happen in your churches. Well, I would say, too, that gives us a category of miracles in, in the sense of like a saving act. You know, I know we, we've talked a lot about validation or we've talked a lot about, um, you know, just just benevolence. But I would say there, what God is doing, he's saving the man in the sense of casting the demon out of him. He is releasing him. He's binding the strong man, as Jesus says. And in the same way, it led to the salvation of that man and the whole village. And the so, validating of the, the of missionary, the, message, yeah. and the messenger, and the message. And so I think God, the, the, the way that God does miracles is so different from the witch doctor and what the devil wants to do is that the Pharisees always asked for signs. They wanted magic. They wanted levitating. I mean, I don't know if they really wanted that, but they wanted just just flashy sensational stuff, sensational stuff. Yeah. And the and the things that God does is not pulling a rabbit out of a hat. It's casting demons. It's healing people. It's it's providing for the sick and the suffering in in need. It's those who don't have food. The the person randomly shows up and with groceries. It's those things that are benevolent, that are caring, that are saving, that are good that um, they're not just flashy. Those and, are the types of miracles And, and ultimately, does. Evan, prepare the way for people to hear yep. the word of God. And that's the point. The word of God sets people free. Mm-hmm. The works of the devil bind people. So if a, if a witch doctor or, or anybody's doing you know demonic works, like you said, they're using it to bind people up, control mm-hmm. them, and manipulate them. But God does that to loose you and set you free from the power of sin. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and and... That's why we we still ought to have and see the miraculous today. Yeah, absolutely. And I and we never should like seek after signs or seek after all of this, you know, like in the flashy type of way. Um, and I don't think we should ever become obsessed with miracles in the sense that you should never say to yourself, "I won't believe if God doesn't do a miracle," or "I won't do this or do that." We shouldn't close our hearts up unless God does this kind of stuff. He's in control of the miracles, and he'll do them in the right way when he wants to do them. Well, Thomas Thomas saw the greatest miracle of all. He saw the resurrection of Jesus from Mm -hmm. the dead, and so he saw a miracle. And Jesus said, Thomas, you believe because you you see blessed are those who believe and don't see. Yeah. So, you know, faith in God, obviously, because it's just God's word Mm -hmm. is the greatest faith of all. Yeah. But sometimes God does the miraculous or the supernatural to, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, to, to prove that at the moment so people understand he is God. Yeah, exactly. And they still happen today, but other times he doesn't give them because he's given us sufficient grace, like you said, in his word. It's it's strong enough, God knows, and then at other times he wants to show up and do some crazy stuff. Let's just take what he, what he gives us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's take what he gives us. Um, so... With all of this being said, I I know we kind of went through that quickly. We just wanted to give you an overview of the way God has been using miracles, specifically in the Bible. The question really is this. Do miracles still happen today? Do they happen often? Do they happen in America? What's the point? We get it. God's moving the sea for his people. It's scripture. We know Jesus. He's God. Of course, he's going to show up doing stuff. The early church, maybe God just needed to validate them early on, but now that we're established, we're good. Are they over or are they present? Why? Why or why not? Yeah, mirror, and that's why we said I said what I did at the beginning because I mm-hmm. didn't want anybody doubting. Uh, yeah, I believe miracles, fully believe, 100% persuaded that miracles are still valid today. First of all, because there is a God, mm-hmm. and I will not box God in a corner. Or, or push God in a corner or paint him in a corner or box God in and say, you can't do miracles anymore. God is God. God could speak and do whatever he wants to do and as he feels like he needs to do. So that's one. Two, there is the gift of miracles, which is a specific gift that meets a specific need um, where God will work through a spirit-filled individual um, at any point in time where that that gift needs to take place ultimately again to bring glory to God and to open the way for the for the gospel of Jesus Christ or mm-hmm. to edify the body. It's the gifts of the Spirit are for the edification of the church, primarily and secondarily for for the non-church, non-believers. Um, so, so, yeah, and now people say, well, I've never seen a miracle. And so they'll say, I don't believe in miracles. So, well, 
you, you know, you may have never seen the Grand Canyon, but does that mean it's real or not? <laughs> you can't go by your personal experience. Yeah. Personal experience does not validate God's word. God's word ultimately creates our experiences. Mm-hmm. So people say, well, are there, you know, I don't, I don't believe miracles are happening or I only hear miracles overseas. Evan, miracles are happening in the United States of America. They're happening in our churches. They're happening uh, everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think when somebody gets saved, that is one of the greatest miracles that yeah. happen. And especially under certain conditions, certain people that are wicked, mean, that are elderly. If an elderly person gets saved, the older you get, the chances of people getting saved are they they diminish incredibly. You're just setting your ways. And I've seen people in their seventies come to Christ, and mm-hmm. that is a miracle. Yeah, they've lived seventy something years in sin and the bondage of sin and the deception and lies of the devil. But I I I also believe that God works on behalf of his people. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. And he, and he listed these certain signs. So there are signs that follow believers. So miracles take place. I don't go around looking for miracles. I don't go around every day saying, God, we need a miracle. Got to have a miracle. I think the circumstances create the miracles. Yeah. And so as we trust, you know, trust God, then, then the moments will come where we'll say, God, we don't have the resources. We don't have the means to fix this. Uh, I've got a few things in my mind I want to share, um, and anyone that's a member of High Praises, particularly one I'm going to tell, be you're going to hear, you'll, you'll say, I've heard this, because mm-hmm. it's part of our DNA. Yeah. It's part of our culture, this story that I tell. But one, I'm thinking about a, a lady in our church who, um, we were having a really good service, and that's back when we had a choir, and she sang in the choir, Grace Epps. And Grace came down out of the choir and came down the altar, and I was down there praying for people, as we Pentecostals do. We lay hands on people, pray for people, and we were singing, having a big time. We have a lot of fun in our service. <laughs> and she came down. She said, Pastor, will you pray for me? And she rolled her wrist over, and Evan, she had a knot the size of a golf ball. It was a cyst. Mm. And she said, this thing's popped up, and it won't go away. And I touched it. It was hard. And she said, will you pray for it? And I said, Sure. And, you know, their singers are singing and people in the altar praising and praying and, you know, with all kinds of stuff going on. And I laid my hand on her wrist and I prayed a simple prayer, didn't get crazy, you know, just pray God in the name of Jesus. Grace needs a healing miracle. Remove this cyst. <laughs> I took my hand off and it was gone. That's crazy. So it was a healing miracle. Yeah. And I, my eyes got big. I mean, I was believing for it. But it's not like you had all of this sensational going on. I, it's just... And I looked Just at Grace, prayer. and her eyes got big, and I said, Grace, where'd it go? <laughs> and she said, she took her hand, she rubbed it. She said, it's gone. I said, give me a wrist. And I rubbed my hand, and it's not like it sunk into her wrist or something. Yeah. It was gone. It and was I, normal. And I saw a miracle right before my eyes where this golf ball size sticking up out of her. I mean, yeah. it was a gigantic thing. I had my hand on it. I took my hand off. It disappeared. That's crazy. And so she went back to the choir, and she's rejoicing, and I'm rejoicing. And I'm like, this is crazy. I'm, I'm rejoicing. I'm, and I, you know, I'm praying for people. I turned back around. I caught her eye, and I said, pointed at my wrist. I said, is it still gone? She looked up. She said, it's gone. She put her hand up and said, it's gone. So I've seen the miraculous. Yeah. I've seen God heal. I've seen God deliver. I've seen God do these. I've seen people heal of cancer. There's a lot of healing miracles, but I'm going to tell you a miracle that, um, this miracle you're, you're keenly aware of, and it's a miracle. It's actually a set of miracles. And so I'm going to tell this. And so, like I said, our listeners who are high praises people, they, they know this. Mm-hmm. They're probably going, here it comes. We know which one <laughs> he's going to tell. But when we built the building that we're sitting in right now, recording in, um, that was in 2001, we had been meeting in T. O'Hanna High School, and it was the week before Father's Day. And we told District 5, we have got our new building. We're moving in. Father's Day 2001 will not be back. Thank you for two and a half years of using T. L. Hanna High School, but we're, we're done. Mm-hmm. And we're working like crazy, feverishly, to get everything in place in this, in this building for church. And we're working night and day. We live in the Deep South, and in June, in the Deep South— um, in the afternoon, we get these power cells that come through that will drop torrential rain and sometimes hail. It is normal for us. And that was what was forecasted that whole next week mm-hmm. up till Father's Day. The contractors had got the building done, but they needed to finish grading, paving, and striping the parking lots for get our, to get our certificate of occupancy. And that was the plan, and then we could move in. Well, the superintendent came to me the week before and said, have you seen the forecast for next week? And I looked at him 
Uh, and I said, you let me worry about the rain. You just have that equipment out here as if I could do something about it. <laughs> but I told him that. Yeah. My 35, 36-year-old self, however old I was. So that whole next week, we're out here working. Evan, every day it rained in Anderson County. I mean, it would thunder storms of Papa. It poured not one drop of rain fell on that 21 acres of land we owned at the time. That's crazy. Now, that's a miracle. Yeah. That's a miracle in that not one drop of rain mm-hmm. ever fell on this property. But it gets better. Because still, somebody could be skeptic and just say, well, it was just, you just lucked out. I lucked out. All right. Well, this story will help dispel that. Mm-hmm. I'm at the house. You were probably four or five at the time. That's been a long time ago. Um, I get up that morning and get up here to start working because I know we got to get all this stuff done. And it had stormed at the house. We lived about two miles from the church. And I'm like, oh, no. And I get on the, I get out, it's, everything's wet. I get on Midway Road to come to the church. Everything's wet. The road's wet. You, you can tell when a road's wet because the asphalt gets darker. Mm-hmm. I get to the four-way stop right here at our church. Hopewell Church Road comes in, Brazil Road comes in, and I was on Midway. And I'm going to fly through that intersection because I want to get to the church. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, is it rained? Is it ruined everything? Are we in a setback? I'm just thinking the worst because we've already told District 5 we're not coming back. The Holy Spirit said, stop. Now, if you've ever had the Lord speak that quiet, silent voice, but yet it will startle you because it's so out of the norm and it's mm-hmm. God. And it'll just, you'll freeze up. If any, anybody's ever had it listening right now is going, I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. And I just stopped. I'm at a four-way stop. Thankfully, there's nobody around me. And I stopped. I said, okay, God, what's wrong? What is it? He said, look, Hopeful Church Road was wet. Brazil Road coming in was wet. All the way to Midway. And when I looked at at the intersection where our property line was, it was two-tone. The asphalt was dry. Wow. There was like a line across the road where the- where the fine the, line. Where the wet ended. Yeah. It's, it's light gray. It's dry. And I went, oh, come on. And the Lord <laughs> said, now drive. So I go through, asphalt's dry. <laughs> it's dry, yeah. Evan. So instead of pulling into the church, I keep going up midway because I know where our property line is. And mm-hmm. so help me, when I got to that point in the road, there was a line across the road that was wet all the way up. I drove up midway road, had to turn mm-hmm. around. It was wet. I got goosebumps, y'all. Look at that hair <laughs> standing up in my arms right now. And and evidently a rainstorm came through the night, and all I can say is God put His hands up, wow, and said you can't touch this. <laughs> Little MC Hammer, that's he crazy. said you can't touch this, and he kept the rain from falling mm. on the property lines. Now that is the truth, mm. but it gets even better. So I'm in the church one day that week, and one of the I think it was either one of our members or maybe one of the construction crews because Pickens Construction was doing the grading. And of course, our superintendent was here for the for the the overseer for the company, Weathers Contracting. And they came outside and said, you got to come look. And I ran outside, and, and back across behind our church, there's this massive field. It's not our property, and a pond, and then Brazil Road, and then a tree line. And the biggest, baddest, ugliest storm was coming, and you could see the sheets of rain. You know how you see the big cloud yeah. and the sheets of rain see falling? Coming down, you yeah. could see it, and it was coming this way. And I ran back inside, and I till there were several people in the world. I said, "Stop what you're doing and start praying." I said, "There's rain coming; it's going to destroy everything." And the contractors out there, the graders, they had stopped because they're just they're expecting a torrential rain. I, so they start praying, and by the time I ran back outside, the rain had come across the tree line. I could see the trees, the winds blowing, the rain. The rain had come across, and now was on the pond. Now, mm-hmm. if you've ever seen a sheet of rain on pond on water. You can't miss it. Yeah, it's obvious. It's obvious. So we can see it. The contractors, the the construction, we're all standing. And I said, God, in the name of Jesus, stop that rain. And so help me. We watched as the rain did a 90 degree. The sheet of rain is coming at us. It turned on the water and 90 degrees and now goes to our right. So it's coming at us. Mm. Now it goes to the right across the pond and shifts 90 degrees. Who Tell is me, now? Who is we? How many people are out there the watching co- this? Pickens contractor, all the graders, all the guys stopped. Wow. So I you mean, got like a whole crew the out superintendent, there watching. Yeah, these are not even church people. That's crazy. And we're all watching this, and the rain mm. turns and goes down towards Anderson. Now, when have you ever seen a sheet of happen. rain 
turn 90 degree, do a 90 degree yeah, turn. Doesn't happen. But we watched it and it happened. That was, well, that's one of the greatest miracles I've ever been part of to see in all my life. And those guys from Pickens, we brought them back later. And one of the guys was up there because we had to extend our parking mm-hmm. lot. So this was months later. And I was talking, I went outside because I was trying to get an update of what was happening. And I said, anyway, I was just asking about it. And he said, okay. He said, another piece of equipment's coming. I said, okay. And he said, you remember when y'all prayed the rain away? <laughs> and I said, were you on that crew? He said, oh yeah. He said, I was here. Wow. He said, I've never seen anything like that in my life. He said, I've told everybody that I meet about this church. He said, there's a church in Anderson that can pray the rain away. <laughs> that's crazy. Is that cool? Yeah. So that's, that's, those are the miracles I love to tell. Yeah. And I've seen God do multiple miracles. As, so for you, have, have there been moments throughout the history of high praises in which you've had to almost go back and ground yourself in that miracle? So for instance, where you're feeling, why am I here? Why, you know, why the church is going down, you know, I'm not doing a good job, X, Y, Z, that you've almost grounded yourself and say, no, God has a purpose. Remember the miracles. God's confirmed our calling here. Let's keep going. Yes. And I don't know that I would say so much that I've had to go back to the miracles. Though Every time I ever talk about them or think about them, reflect on them, they always encourage me that the hand of God is on this church. Mm-hmm. But we have a thing called growth track. Yeah. And we have three sessions that people commit to for the second, third, fourth Sunday of a month. And I teach the first one. And I always tell those those miracles that I just shared. And the reason I do it is because I said, you're here at our church. We're a large church. We've got all this property and facilities. And you see all the activity and all this. I said, we weren't always like this. Mm-hmm. We were a smaller church. And we were just starting. But I want you to know that 21 years ago, that would have been, you know, for now in 2020, 21 years ago, we were a church with a purpose, a destiny, and faith full of the Holy Ghost, a church that God had called. I didn't start this church just because I thought that would be a cool, hip thing to do. Or I I left. It took me two years to leave where I was. God had to deal with me for two years and uprooted our family and brought us over here and planted this church by faith because God told me to come to Anderson, Mm -hmm. a city I wasn't from. I had really no connections here at all. And so, we were very small then, right? Oh yeah, and and uh, and we 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 came came over here by faith, and but it was God. And I tell people, I say, I want you to know that this church, God had His hand upon this church from day one, all the way up to the point where we were building a building. God has had His hand. And I said, I want you to hear that story because that story is part of our culture. That that's the God we serve, and the God who did that twenty one years ago is the God who still does miraculous things today. Yeah. And so, yes, I use that to say to the people who come here, you're in a place that, that we see we are people of destiny. Mm-hmm. We're not any better than anybody else. That's not what I'm saying. But for our church, we sense that we have, a, we feel like we have a sense of destiny. The hand of God is upon us, and we want to keep that hand of God upon us, and we want to continue serving him and doing what he's called us to do and fulfill mm-hmm. our purpose in Anderson County. That's good. Man, I feel like that wrapped up really everything. We've got a healing miracle in there. We've got natural miracles. We've got God being both benevolent and communicative to us, revealing who he is and something that carries on as you tell the story basically every month. And if I sat here and we just kept going, I could tell you a miracle. My dad was deer hunting in Pennsylvania and had, it was raining in a field, big cornfields, big fields in Pennsylvania, and they're rolling. Mm-hmm. And he had an orange poncho on, bright orange. You can't miss him. Yeah. And a herd of deer ran between him and another hunter. And that hunter, in excitement, could see dad, but in excitement, pulled his rifle up and Ooh, started shooting. That's terrifying. And my dad said that, and he would have been in his 20s. I, 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 I was a small child. I don't even know if Sonny was born. He said that some, something, and he, he'll tell you it was God, mm-hmm. jerked his head violently to the left. Jerked it. He said, it wasn't I was, his body moving. No, he said, I got jerked. And he said, when I did, the bullet went by my ear. He said, I heard the bullet whistle by my ear. He That's said, or the bullet, crazy. the guy would have shot me in the head. But he said, the, God <laughs> grabbed my head and jerked it out over to save my life. My dad said, one night he was driving and another car came and crossed the line on him and there wasn't a thing he could do. And my dad said, the only thing he can tell you is that everything dematerialized and the car went through him. 
his car and dad's car dematerialized. He said, I have no other explanation other than to tell you everything dematerialized. Mm. And instead of having a head-on collision, we went through each other dematerialized. That's crazy. That's crazy. So I'm saying, now you tell this, you start telling enough of these, and people are like, uh, uh, come on. But if God does it, why anything, not? <laughs> anything's possible. Yeah. Anything's possible. Wow. So, yeah, we need to believe that God is able because you might come to a time in your life where you need God, where you're going to say, there is no help. Man yeah, we has got done, nothing left. Man has done what they can do. The preacher says, I can't help you. The attorney shakes their head. The banker shakes his head. The doctor shakes his head and says, There's, there are no more options. Then you better go back and say, but there is a God mm-hmm. who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything I could ever come up with and conjure up in my mind Yeah, because he's a miracle-working God. That's good. That's the God I plan to serve. Yeah. Man, that's a good episode. Yeah, I like that's it. That's a good talk. Good stuff. God is able. Man. Listeners, stay grounded in that. If you're skeptical, just just look up testimonies, listen to testimonies, think through what we've talked about today. Um, there are miracles. There are miracles confirmed. There are all kinds of stories, both here and abroad, of God just constantly doing amazing things among his well, people. Well, well, let me tell one more. Yeah. And this one, I wrote a book called When the Natural Meets the Supernatural. And in the in the prologue, I, I, I begin the book with this story. My grandmother, who was a godly, spirit-filled woman, was at a church in uh, North Carolina. My grandfather pastored it. They had a pot belly stove. It was that long, and that's how they warmed the church. It was full of wood and coals and fire and blazing hot. Sometimes it'd glow red. And my grandmother, on a Sunday night, under the power of the Holy Spirit, went over and grabbed the door with her bare hands, shoved both hands in there, and got out a ha- two handfuls of hot coals and lifted them up. And she was speaking in a heavenly language, and they said the people experienced the presence of power. People screamed. People freaked out. And she had those in her hands, threw them back in, and threw her hands up. Now, mm. this is my grandmother, your great-grandmother, Mamal Sistar, my, my, I mean, Gosnell, Mamal Gosnell, my mom's mom, threw her hands up. And there wasn't a burnt place. They said people came over and were grabbing their hands and looking and not one burnt place. Mm. And that night there were people there. So God was glorified. And that night there were people there who were in sin, who did not know Jesus as their savior. And through that, then the preacher preached and gave an altar call. And because of that miracle and God showing himself, those people went to the altar and gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Wow. Now that, these are stories. I'm telling you my stories. I'm telling you my great, that's your legacy. Mm -hmm. That's my legacy and your legacy is that God can do anything. And he does it graciously for those around us, for help. Those people got saved. He knows what he's doing. Yep, he does. Nothing too hard for him. You want to go try and recreate that real quick? Nope. God (laughs) God told my grandmother to do it, I'm sure, and he'll have to tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, thank you so much for joining us on this episode today. We hope you're encouraged. And just, you know, filled with faith at hearing these stories. Um, go ahead and subscribe, rate, review that whole thing. Send it to somebody who needs it. And, uh, and, uh, and join us in a couple of weeks for our next episode. We will see you there. <laughs>